Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Category Makers and Wall Breakers podcast. My name is Anda. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Notch. Hi, everyone. I'm Bar, the CEO and co-founder of Monte Carlo. And together, we are two data nerds and entrepreneurs who decided to start a podcast to feature today's most innovative and influential data and analytics leaders. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Category Makers and Wall Breakers podcast, the podcast that interviews some of today's most innovative and influential data and analytics leaders. I'm Anda. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Notch, the content intelligence platform, and I'm here with... Hi, everyone. Thank you, Anda. My name is Bar. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Monte Carlo. Uh, we're the data reliability company. And I am so thrilled to have today um, our guest, Kara Daly. You know, one of the things that I think Kara sort of really sort of brings you in a unique way is her ability to take really extremely kind of technical or kind of complicated topics and actually boil them down um, to its essence and make it approachable and understandable, um, which is a really important capability um, as, a, as a data executive and leader. Today, she's um, executive vice president, chief data officer at LPL Financial a leading provider of investment and business solutions for financial advisors, um, where she's responsible for accelerating LPL's digital strategies and data management. Prior to joining as LPL's first ever chief data officer, um, Kara served as chief data officer at Silicon Valley Bank, uh, where she worked with um, many startups and companies um, in, in data and other areas. Um, she was also senior director of enterprise data for Nike, um, and finally, she was Chief Data Officer at Bank of the West, um, among many other esteemed roles prior. Uh, so thrilled to have you here, Kara. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bar. I am thrilled to be here. And thank you, Anda, for having me on, the, on your program. Yeah, for sure. So let, let's get warmed up with, um, with an easy one. Um, so how did you first get you know, interested in, in data and analytics that you know, the field has changed so much? Um, over the last few years and over the last decade, um, what got you hooked at the beginning? Well, I think I'm obsessive about problem solving and a company's worst, hairiest problems are data related. They really always are. Data is disorganized, you know, over years of mergers and acquisitions and changes of systems and people, data is the thing that gets left behind. And so I find it energizing to really solve those problems, solve those data problems and help the organization be better and use data to drive big business results versus, you know, complain about, oh, we can't fix it because the data is broken and this, that and the other thing. So I'm always I'm always that, you know, ardent problem solver. So I think that that's probably why I, I got into it. But it, to start my career, I actually started in software. So I'm dating myself when I say this. We used to call them dot coms. We did not call them startups <laughs> when I graduated school. Um, but I worked for uh, online advertising companies. So DoubleClick, uh, i1.com, which was the, which was a, a, a website that get, gave away money. <laughs> when you clicked on links. Um, and, uh, you know, I think from those software days of, I was, I was tech support, right. I was application support. I was the person that you called when the software wouldn't work. And so I think from, 
you know, that adrenaline rush, I must've missed my calling being in the medical, you know, field. My mom was a nurse and she used to work in emergency rooms and ICUs. And I must have this in my DNA. I am a run towards the fire type of individual. So I love problem solving. Data is a very big problem at many companies. And so, you know, over the years, I kind of gravitated into this position and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm energized by it. Kara, um, it's so interesting to hear you define data as, as a fire that you want to run towards. You've worked in so many different industries and so many different types of companies uh, of different sizes. So I'm assuming the fires have been different in different companies and different industries. How would you define the, the differences between driving that data strategy at retail companies like Nike versus a bank like Bank of the West versus LPL? So what's interesting is that the fires are always a little bit similar. So if I look at the landscape, whether it was Nike or Bank of the West or GE or whatever, like the, the, the fire around data being fragmented across an organization, being locked in systems, n- not a way to bring it together, to consume it, to fuel analytic, like that's a common problem. And so the, the thing that it, it's common problems, but the impacts are very different. And that has been the interesting learning is to learn about how it impacts an organization differently um, when you think about it. Um, but I would say, you know, when developing that data strategy to, to answer the second part of the question, you have to understand what does that company ultimately want to be? What do they ultimately want to drive? You know, what metric is the thing that everybody in the management committee is focused in on? Understanding, and I think this is where CDOs sometimes lose the narrative, understanding what's really driving the corporate strategy and the, the, the corporate OKRs and delivering a data strategy that is fueling that is so important to, to the success of your program. I have a quick follow-up question to that. Do you think there are certain industries where data is a higher stakes problem or game than others? Oh, yeah. I think about my CDO um, experience, and a lot has to do with the financial crisis and just learning, you know, we didn't know what data governance, like there wasn't even a word for it. It was like, hey, the data's messed up. And, you know, why is the quality bad? And, you know, you're talking to database administrators, right? So, you know, I think it's a high stakes game. My own personal opinion is it's a high stakes game in financial services. You have to have a certain level, like certain data has to be absolutely correct. Um, And it's, it's really important to have that transparency and that visibility. And understanding that, you know, hey, data quality issues are going to just fly on by. If you're doing real-time data, there is no way that data is going to be totally correct. But, you know, you, you need to have those mechanisms in place to make sure make sure you can, can correct it. And I know I've, I've drifted a bit from the question, but fin- no, no. I would say financial services, maybe that's because it's where I grew up. I, I think it's a very high stakes game there. I mean, f- for what it's worth, I think financial services have a, you know, a bad rep for always being so difficult to do business with because of the regulation and the the uh, the legal teams that basically suffocate startups from trying to do business, right? But at the same time, in, in all the work that we've done with Bank of America and Wells Fargo and all these other big institutions, 
we constantly see that they're ahead when it comes to to data, but also operationalizing data, which I think is really important as well. Um, tell us a little bit about your current role at LPL. Like, what is what is the day to day of Kara look like? Um, well, I'm very excited to be in a section of financial services that I hadn't been in before. So I was a commercial banker, investment banking. And now I'm in this wealth management side and supporting our wonderful financial advisors and their and their clients. Um, so it's it's exciting to be in a in a kind of a different mindset. Um, however, like I said earlier, the data problems are very similar. Um, how we solve from them are different. When I walked in the door at LPL. Uh, you know, it was mostly an analytics team. So while I'm the chief data officer, I also have enterprise analytics, which is very exciting because it's the peanut butter and jelly sandwich together, right? Some CDOs only have peanut butter and peanut butter on its own, kind of dry. Who wants to have a peanut butter sandwich, right? The jelly is what makes it great. <laughs> so, so the insights and analytics is really, really important. So you know, my role there is to build the capability around data and analytics for the enterprise. Uh, I've got a team and uh, they're, they're coming together. It's still early days, but we're coming together and we've got functions in that team focused on uh, monetization, uh, insights and analytics, data foundations, and data governance. So that's how we really talk about our data strategies in those, those four swim lanes. Um, but that's, that's really the focus. And, you know, when you think about monetization, you can think about anything, right? It's like, how can I predict the next action one of our advisors should take with their clients? Right. And we know like Morgan Stanley can do this and other, other companies can do this. Um, but what special sauce can we bring to the table for our, for our clients? So those are the types of things that we work on. Um, you know, we're, we're all about data products. Uh, you know, the data domains, uh, I don't want to say we're data mesh. I have very big opinions on that. It's not a new thing, everyone. <laughs> not new. <laughs> Reality <No>. check. <laughs> yeah, it's not new. But I love that people think it's new. It's great. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're getting our, our, our feet under us on how we, how we, how we can organize and data and, and fuel those better experiences. And I think the thing that, that I'm excited about is looking at you know, our corporate strategy, like our OKRs and saying, how can we as a team meet in a meaningful way, move the needle, right? If we're thinking about new store sales or same store sales, like how are we fueling those experiences that can, that can um, expand that? So those are the types of things that we work on. Love it. Um, so double clicking into the peanut butter and jelly situation. Um, what are some of the kind of, you know, when you think about your, your ownership of that overall, what are some of the things that are difficult in, in sort of driving data adoption? Um, how do you sort of, you know, set goals and what's actually, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges in driving those adoption goals? You know, I think we we were chatting prior to the start of this podcast about you know this job is hard, um, and it, it really is. And and I know I talk to a lot of my peers, and we always start our little one on one saying this job sucks. <laughs> now 
There's a lot of wins that you can get out of this job, but there are struggles. And so, you know, it can be things like, you know, speak to challenges, like change is hard, but, you know, and so you need to understand why is it so hard? And that's a very human thing. And so understanding that human element of why is it hard when a person has come in and done this job for the last five years and they feel valued that I contribute to this manual process that I do every single day. And then this data lady comes in and is like, we're going to automate this whole thing and it's going to be so much better. And you're going to have all this time to do something else. That person might not want to change. So that change management, which I think, you know, many of us in these CDO roles sometimes forget that is the part you have to spend the time on. And I think that's the, that that's where, you know, the CDO has to evolve is they have to understand the human element. They have to understand like there's, there's a talent development situation here. We're going to be a little bit more technical. What does that mean? We got to get people skilled and trained and you know, people need to understand how the data resides and what's that common language. So those are the challenges, you know, the technology and infrastructure, while that's a hard journey, that can get done. It's more about how do you encourage and inspire the organization to use data to make decisions versus their gut. That I feel like has always been the biggest challenge. Here, I'm curious um, as a follow-up to that, how you think about the the data swim lane essentially because that's evolved a lot since since the function first appeared and I'm assuming since you first joined the industry and I'm assuming there's also a lot of collaboration but also disruption that data brings to other functions within the organization yeah. so I'm curious how has that changed since you joined the industry so like when you think about org alignment i would say you know with the onset of data products that has created an ability to really drive product management as a discipline. And that creates more of a collaboration between your, your technology partners and your business partners. The data teams have always been technical, yet they understood the business. And so they always sat in this like middle earth area. And I think now that we've got data products and data product management and that as a discipline, and that's a, similar to where people are going from just a general product management standpoint, I think that's helping that swim lane become far more um, you know, clear versus what it was before. You know, I, I think it's so important for us to just kind of look at a problem and say, how can we solve it together versus well, that's technology's problem, or that's the business problem. Business didn't give us the proper requirements. Well, the technology team didn't execute right. And like the finger pointing is, is, is really unfortunate. I love when a product team can work together with, the, with a strong product owner that understands uh, their business objectives. They, want it, they know how they want to build that data product, and they can work with the engineers the testers and the business teams to build that 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 product together. So I think the swim lane is becoming more clear to answer your question with the onset of product management as a discipline for data teams. 
Um, technology is already kind of well versed in that. And so it's just bringing, bringing that the data folks in and getting them into that mindset. I also think there's something you said about, you know, ultimately the goal is to get people to make decisions based on data versus gut. I think there's something about data being the connective tissue that everyone gets to look at together and hopefully formalize decisions around that. And I think it's very special and a little bit unique about the data function. Maybe only the product function is similar to that. Yeah. And a hundred percent agree on that. And I think this also sparked, a, sparked a, a thought is that how product teams use data to inform feature builds, A-B test, all of that, data teams should be doing the same way. They should look at their products just like business-facing products or client-facing products. And so, you know, we want our business teams to be more data-driven in their decisions. Well, we need to show them the data. Like we need to show them the insights. And that's why I think it's so important these days that insights and analytics are very coupled with the data office. That that's the jelly. Like, why why would why take jelly away from peanut butter? <laughs> who's who's eating a jelly sandwich? By the way, no one. Here, as as an immigrant, I first tasted peanut butter at like I don't know twenty, <laughs> and I thought it was the most incredible invention of all time. Like, I thank America for this every day. See, that's data. You didn't know. It just looked like this brown spread, and you're like, what is that? Exactly. But yeah. coupled with jelly, you're like, yes. Oh, it's insane. This it's is a insane. breakfast and dinner. <laughs> anytime. It could be anything, really. Anything. Yeah. I feel like I should have a question about uh, peanut butter and jelly right now. Kira, let me ask you a little bit about um, kind of opportunities. Real talk. We talked about the things that are really hard, the things that sort of suck about the job. What are some of the things that you're optimistic about? Where do you think are the biggest opportunities for, for chief data officers and data leaders? I love the whole like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna make these better decisions and we're gonna measure the impacts and it's gonna inform product features and all that. This is like, I love that. But also, I'm gonna help people go home early at night or log off in the, in our case, right? You know, how much time is spent trying to find the data, trying to get it into the report that you've got to give to your boss, right? And you don't have access to it. If we do our jobs right. You, every person will have access to the data that they need, that it's automated. They can spend more time on the analysis and the insight versus going and hunting and trying to find the data and understanding, is it right? You know, that's always a question too. Can I trust it? So the things that, that excite me while we're driving business results and, and we're measuring the impact of, of something that we might be doing to generate prospect lists or whatever it might be. I think also in a very like simple way, if we're saving time in my life, and I think everybody's life, time, time is important to us, right? Right. We don't want to work on the, you know, got to work on the weekends because we've got to pull this report and this, that, you know, I, I, I think that's always an interesting metric. Uh, I, I don't measure it. I mean, how do I measure that in front of a, <laughs> an executive committee? I'm not going to measure that. Um, but, you know, on the inside, I think about, you know, how could I change this person's or this team's life? How could we as a, as a, as a team make it easier for people to do their jobs? How big of a role do you play in creating the kind of leading lagging indicators for success? Um, of course, like the business has the typical, you know, KPIs for the business, but 
there's all these other metrics that flow into that. So how, how much of a role do you play in setting that agenda and setting those KPIs? And then how do you think about setting those KPIs? So, you know, it's, it's an art, not a science. Um, certainly the, the corporate wide OKRs help set that North star direction. You know, I look at what we do from a data strategy standpoint, and I see us as key enablers, right? And we might be leading in some areas or supporting in others. You know, we want to drive people to use these data products to make those decisions. And so we, d- we have to develop KPIs and OKRs that, that can demonstrate that. So, you know, one thing that and this is a generic one. This is not, I can't share what we do at LPL, but but a generic one, if you're a CDO and you're thinking about, you know, customer data, um, you could measure how long does it take to onboard a customer? There's a lot of manual processes. There's a lot of, you know, swivel chair type stuff that happens. Um, is there a way that the data team, the data and analytics team can support the client onboarding objective and drive, you know, faster onboarding from prospect to client. Uh, How long does it take to change a client address in all your systems? For certain companies that could take a long, long time. Is there a way that the data, the data program might be rolling out master data management? Is there a way that uh, you can, you can actually measure how long it takes to, to change a client address and you can do a before and after that way. Those are really meaty examples. And while, you know, and that's what you have to be really clear with on, on I think OKRs or what you're measuring is make it really real and that the executive team can understand. It should not be in data speak. <laughs> it's, you know, change of address. Everybody can get that, Right. I have a quick follow-up because I think it's fascinating how many examples you gave of all the things that you can measure. And I kind of want to ask you, how do you decide what not to measure? Because there's just, you could measure everything. Like what's not important? You have to prioritize. (laughs) So, you know, as part of your data strategy, it's good to define what are the three to four outcomes you're driving. Just limit it to three to four. Don't do 10. Don't do 15. Because honestly, if you're at the beginning of creating your data strategy, it's going to be a three-year strategy and you're going to change it at 18 months. So three to four outcomes and then say, okay, if one of your outcomes is I'm going to create a single source of truth for client data and because that's going to drive personalization, loyalty, build trust in data, you're going to get client data right. Then build your OKRs under that particular outcome. And then you could add things like, Onboarding, like if you look at the entire client journey, you could say, okay, I can have an OKR around onboarding. I can have an OKR around servicing. It could hit the three areas, revenue, efficiency, and risk. That's how you could think about it. Um, There's so many examples. There's so much advice I could give, but I think that would be a good example. So Kira, you're, you know, obviously very passionate and also very involved in the startup community. Um, obviously it's an interesting time, uh, for startups, but, um, you know, just, just thinking kind of about your position as a buyer and kind of your involvement in, in, in this ecosystem, what's it, what kind of, um, like what's your take on sort of value proposition, um, that's more interesting to you versus less. What are some of the trends and technologies that you're more excited about when it comes to 
So startups, maybe tell us a little bit about your involvement and what are some of the things that you're more bullish on? Um, I love talking about the startup community. I, you know, I, I got to know the startup community through, through my time with Silicon Valley Bank. I'm still connected with it, with a group that I'm, uh, that I'm involved with called Invest in Data. You know, I think it's a great time for data companies to solve very real problems that people like myself have. So whenever I'm, you know, hearing a pitch from a from a startup, I'm always looking for the so what. Like why does it matter? Okay, we've created this product to do better data ingestion. Well, there's like a hundred other companies out there. Why would that matter to me? Well, there's more visibility into the actual ingestion process and we can have better governance around it. And like speak to what what my mandate as CDO is. So that that I find uh, you know very interesting is really getting down to what is the real value that a company can can provide to a company like LPL. You know, I think that these companies have have a great opportunity because you're outside of the day-to-day of some place where I would be. And you can just take a problem and solve it really, really well. At the end of the day, you want to help propel this company forward in a certain way. And what is it that you're doing? There's a quick follow-up to that, given um, what we're hearing about the economic climate and how startups should think about how they phrase their value prop. Um, how much of that value prop should be you know, more focused on revenue generation and growth versus efficiency and cost savings? That's a great question. From where I sit, it's got to be balanced. I report to our chief product officer. Uh, so we're we're very client facing and, and revenue generating. And so I'd be very interested in, in, the, in the, those types of things. But at the same time, I know that, you know, efficiency is always a constant. You know, everybody wants to be more efficient. I talked about going home early at night. Like everybody wants to save time, right? Because money is time. Um, so, you know, I think it's a, it's a balanced equation there and it's really about what are the, the real specific things you're solving for as a startup. Um, and, 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 you know, three, just three, <laughs> not, not 25, make it simple message. I think that's, those are the things that I would, I would say are important to someone like myself. I actually like it resonates the forcing ourselves to choose only three. We talk a lot about that, um, both, you know, internally at Monte Carlo and with our customers. Um, You know, oftentimes if we or a customer has like laundry list of things, that's like a sure recipe to get exactly zero things done. Kind of like when there's like 10 people responsible for something. And that essentially means that no one is responsible for it. Very similarly, if we start a relationship with a customer and there's like 10 things and we, you know, pretty confident that none of those will get done. And so actually one of the sort of challenges that, that you know, we, we've seen is actually, I think when folks kind of joined data teams or data organizations, you know, to your point, there's so much breadth of things that you could solve and actually identifying what are the one or two or max three things that I'm actually going to do is one of the best gifts that a data leader, a chief data officer can give to, to their team. So I really like kind of your... Um, your focus and it's actually really hard to do. So um, I appreciate it that. It is. And honestly, at the beginning, the first 90 days of your role, that's when you lay it out there. 
Like you really lay it out there early on and say, look, this is what I am going to do. And this is what I'm not going to do. And you're not saying no, you're just saying, hey, I'm prioritizing our team's time to focus on these three, three to four things. And this is what you're going to give back. And having those, you know, laying out just here are the three or four outcomes. And this is what success looks like. And we're going to come back with the roadmap and the OKRs, but this is what we're going to do. I think that's really important. That's really good advice. I feel like as as the company grows, Bar, I'm sure you feel this way too. My job is literally just repeating the three priorities and constantly asking people, how does your work relate to this? Or like, why are you doing this? How does it relate to the three priorities? And it's incredible. That's all I do, basically. Um, Okay, so now some rapid fire questions (laughs) to to really kind of take us home. I hope you're ready. Uh, First one, what's your favorite book and why? I would have to say Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Ooh. Every woman or anybody, not just women, (laughs) should read that book, especially if you're in your 40s. (laughs) Big fan, big fan. Love that. Okay, what podcast? you listen to? So again, uh, We Can Do Hard Things, which is also Glennon, and it kind of goes with the book, um, is a podcast. I love Smartless. It is so cute. It's uh, got uh, Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and um, Will Arnett, and they just interview celebrities. But the two of them, it's a surprise. So one brings them on and the two, it's a surprise. And so it's just really funny. And you get you get to peek into to what's going on in in the 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 you know back backside of Hollywood, and I think that's just interesting. That's awesome. I have it on my, both of those on my list now. Um, <laughs> what was your pandemic TV binge? Oh my gosh! Well, <laughs> so I many, like, so many. Tell us the truth. So, so <laughs> many. I mean, Schitt's Creek is the best, hands down. Love the show. Um, I did just finish up with Peaky Blinders. That was really good. And then, um, given the current climate, I'm watching Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Last one for you, Kara. If you could have dinner with anyone, dead or alive, who would be and why? So I thought about this one, and I'm going to try and get through it without getting emotional. My father. So he recently passed away. So about a couple weeks ago. So he would be absolutely hands down the person I would have dinner with. Thanks for sharing that, Kara. I'm sorry to hear. Thanks. Yeah, really sorry to hear, Kara. But that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful answer. And it's a beautiful note yeah. to, to end on. Thank you so much for an amazing conversation. I feel like you brought all sorts of, you know, bulleted list kind of insights and recommendations for everyone. And then also separately, a lot of fun and humor and humanity to the conversation. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed my time. If you ever need a ringer for any kind of podcast ever again, you know to call me. Um, I thought it was it was very exciting. And I, I hope what I, I shared will, will help others. So thank you. Kara, I'm not surprised. But uh, yeah, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I love the energy and authenticity that you bring to everything that you do. It's really inspiring. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to Category Makers and Wall Breakers with Anda Gonska and Bar Moses. Anda is co-founder and CEO of Notch, the content intelligence platform that enables brands to connect their digital content investments to business outcomes. 
Akbar Moses is co-founder and CEO of Monte Carlo, with a mission to accelerate the world's adoption of data by reducing data downtime. This episode was produced by Doug Ray. Visit Notch.com, that's K-N-O-T-C-H.com, for more information and to listen to more episodes. Thank you.